So we're looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And it's a, a beautiful passage of hope, but also a passage that just helps, for me, refocus on what's important, on what to remember. So Ephesians 2. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him, with Christ, and seated us with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So how many people here like to read? Anyone? Like to watch movies? Okay, what about in terms of books and movies? Anyone here liked watching fantasy sci-fi movies? Okay, well, I'm going to talk about one book made into a movie today that I feel like most people have at least heard of, but probably at some point watched. C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it's one of my favorites. It's the story about four kids, four siblings, who become transported to this magical land of Narnia. And they're transported there to help defeat the evil white witch who had taken over Narnia. And these four siblings, along with friends and along with the rightful ruler Aslan, eventually defeat the white witch, and all is made right. Right. 
since I was a kid, first introduced to the book and then the movie, I loved it. This past week, I rewatched it and then I kept rewatching others in the series. The thing is, that's not the whole story. Because we can't talk about the line, the witch, and the wardrobe without talking about one sibling in particular. And I wish we could talk about Lucy. Because I love Lucy. I love all of the siblings for different reasons. But for me, the line, the witch, and the wardrobe, when we talk about it, we have to talk about Edmund. We have to talk about the younger brother. Edmund is the one who I like least in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He gets on my nerves. Even when I've rewatched it and read the book so many times this past week when I was rewatching it, he still gets on my nerves in this movie and in the book. Because he lies, like maybe I talked about with the kids. He's really selfish. I mean, Edmund betrays his siblings. He betrays the good side to go and tell the white witch what they're doing to help himself. So at first, he can get more Turkish delight. And then with the promise of being made a prince... He betrays the people he loves for no reason other than his own good. I don't like Edmund. But out of all the siblings in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he's probably the one I identify with the most. Because the other siblings are just kind of perfect in this book. They may be afraid at times, but for the most part, they do the right thing. Edmund, Edmund messes up. Sometimes it's a small lie. Sometimes it's something big. And you actually see, when you're watching the movie, you see almost this heartbreak in his face when he realizes the effects of what he's done. And I can identify with Edmund. (sighs) I don't, I don't usually like going like thinking about that. But this past week when I was thinking about salvation, all I could think about was the line, the witch in the wardrobe and Edmund. I'm thinking about how many times I've seen in my in the mirror growing up that same heartbreak when I think about, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Anyone else have those moments? 
and it feels like I'm a little kid again who's disappointed my parents. And I mean, Edmund, he gets thrown into prison after doing all this and has to be rescued by the people he betrayed. And what happens? The white witch comes in and delivers the news that, based on the law of the land, Edmund, since he has betrayed his family, since he has betrayed all these people, he is to be put to death. And then something happens that I remember watching it. And even now, this past week when I was watching it, I'd encourage you to watch this movie again or to read the book. And, and Aslan meets with the White Witch. And then what we realize is Aslan, the leader who has done nothing wrong, who is the best warrior as they prepare for battle, chooses to give his life in exchange for Edmund, who selfishly betrayed his own family. I mean, I cried when I watched Aslan go to be like his mane shaved and, and killed on the stone table. And even knowing the end of the, of the book and the story, it's still sad. It's still heavy. And then, of course, what happens is the true law of the land is when an innocent person, when Aslan offers to give his life in exchange for Edmunds, he comes back to life and helps them defeat the white witch. One of my favorite things as a youth pastor was having my youth once watch this movie and all of the boys were just like, why are we watching this? Shouldn't we watch a Christian movie? I was like, this is a Christian movie. I was like, just watch it. And it's like when you get to Aslan being sacrificed on the stone table for Edmund, all these high school boys turned around, they're like, oh. And then when he was raised to life, they all went, Oh, that's Jesus! <laughs> it's really fun to watch high school boys come to that realization. But that is. That's Jesus. The hard part of watching that movie, realizing, realizing we're Edmund. Realizing That we were dead. I was dead in my sins and my trespasses. As a fault of my own. For my own selfish desires, for my own pride, my own anger. 
I was dead. Watching that movie, reading that book, and putting yourself in that position. We were dead. Falling after the course of this world, falling after the, after the desires of this world, after the desires of the flesh. But God, who is rich in mercy and abundant in love, came into this world in the form of Jesus. to take our place. So much we talk about the resurrection, but it's also realizing that Jesus endured pain and death on our behalf. So that as Mimi was removing the outer shell with all the sins, Jesus did this so that no sin that we have committed could be held against us. And so that we would know not just forgiveness, but life. Life not just everlasting, but life here and now. Life in this world where we know that our sins and our mistakes do not define us where we know in this world that, that we get to live a different way than just following after our own success and our own power and our own riches. That we get to live as a people who know we are forgiven, as a people who know the love of God. Come to set us free. Come to give us life. Come to say that we are beloved. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. This forgiveness, this life is just a gift that is given to us. I mean, I love that Edmund had no clue what Aslan was doing. In the Bible, none of them had a clue. No matter how many times Jesus tried to say it, none of them had a clue until three days after the crucifixion. It was just a gift of love that was unmerited but given. We have been given salvation. We have been given forgiveness and healing and life. So what are we going to do with this gift? How will we choose to live? And with with talking about salvation as Methodists, we can't talk about it without talking about this other big word, sanctification. But verse 10 is the best definition of sanctification. 
For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We have been given this incredible gift, not to take advantage of it. I remember in high school, people would say, so, so we can do whatever we want and God will forgive us. Yes, but it's not about taking advantage of this, this gift. It's about figuring out how to, to, to live. As it says, God prepared to be our way of life before. The original plan for life was to be a people of good works. To be a people who don't just do what we want because we know that God will forgive us. But be a people who do what is sometimes hard of being compassionate and being kind. I mean, think about how hard it is to be compassionate and kind in this world. But sometimes, you know, the saying goes that people walk all over you. Or when you're a student growing up in schools and there's a new kid or the kid who doesn't have access to, like, regular plumbing and so they may smell a little bit for no fault of their own. And to be kind to that kid usually gets you put out. Or as an adult, being kind to someone who isn't always kind to us or who we disagree with on some things, it's not always easy. The life Christ calls us to is not always easy. Usually it's hard. Usually it means putting aside our own selfish ambitions, putting aside our own pride, putting aside our own to-do lists because I get really stuck in to-do lists. And to think about who Christ has put in our path Who's in need of some compassion? Who's in need of a friend or some help? We are a people who were created as beloved and created to do good works. To be a people who live so that others may see our lives, see, the see and experience the love that we offer them and know that there is a God and that, that with how we live our lives, that we believe in his sovereignty, that we believe in his power, that we believe in, in forgiveness. 
We are what God has made us. The people who have been saved, the people who live here and now as a saved people seeking to do good works. And as we do these good works, they reaffirm within us whose we are and who we profess to be king, who we profess to be Lord. I don't often like using the word salvation, sanctification, because they're really big. So today, this is what I want us to think about. Think about that, that thing we may have said or done that we still feel shame about. And to realize we're the only one holding that up still in the mirror. Because after we've asked for forgiveness, Jesus has wiped it away from us. We're a forgiven people. We're a loved people. Sometimes we just have to live like it. To live knowing the value God has placed on each of us. Because if you keep watching past the line, the witch in the wardrobe, Edmund actually does get a lot, a lot less annoying. And suddenly he's there helping others along the way. That's what we get to do. When we claim our place, when we claim that forgiveness, and when we live like it, we get to help others claim their own forgiveness. And that changes everything. Let us pray.